0: Dateline, 23rd of April, 2023. Well, g'day, folks. Welcome to the Australia Desk for episode 746. Well, Grant, uh, lots to cover this week, and we've really had to pick uh, some stories with care so we can fit it into the allegedly 10 minutes that we normally do. So let's (laughs) kick it off. Grant... um, we talk a lot about Rex here, Regional Express, a uh, probably Australia's largest regional carrier. They get around to a lot of uh, remote and obviously, as the name implies, regional centres around Australia. They do very, very important work. Um, there's actually a lot of history that comes with uh, Rex Airlines and it actually came out of the ashes of a, uh, a previously named carrier by the name of Hazleton Airlines. Uh, That airline was started by a gentleman by the name of uh, Max Hazleton, uh, very much a pioneer in Australian aviation circles, and sadly, Grant, in the last week or so, he's uh, passed away at the age of 95.
1: Yep. Just before his 96th birthday. So hell of a career in aviation here in Australia. He started with an Oster Aglet, a little um, little Oster aircraft flying a few people, like very few, one or two. And um, that that built the Hazleton Airlines and um, they were flying Saabs and so on when they uh, became Rex. So yeah, merged into uh, Ansett. And when Ansett went under just after 9-11, they came out and uh, formed into Rex, so majority owned out of Singapore, but are very big in the regions here in Australia, but even flying 737s on the Golden Triangle between uh, Melbourne, Sydney, and Brisbane. Uh, so they've come a long way.
0: Yeah, they certainly have. And, uh, you know, it's sad to see uh, Max Hazleton die, but he, he has really left a lasting legacy. You know, Grant, when I was a young man and first coming into aviation, I remember, um, and you talk about ANSET, there was several training schemes that were going on at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them were cadetship schemes and other others were schemes that, um, if you were accepted and were prepared to take humongous loans, <laughs> I only know this because I was one of those people, um, <laughs> and I didn't end up going through with it, but um, you could actually go into the ANSET, training scheme and if memory serves and perhaps some listeners from this part of the world might be able to just um set those uh you know dominoes straight for me but i i I believe that hazelton was part of that and i think um one of the career streams you could have taken at that time was to go through hazelton through their training scheme and then you know be looking at flying for anset on 737s etc down the track um you know i was one that I couldn't afford to take at that time was a $35,000 deferred loan, so I'm glad I didn't take it. But, uh, yeah, at least it was a career stream at that time that um, was pioneered very much by the likes of Hazelton and Max himself. So um, valet to him and uh, thank you to Max Hazelton for the, uh, the great legacy that you've left. Uh, for aviation in this part of the world. Uh, Grant, briefly speaking of Rex too, I note with interest uh, an article here in uh, SimpleFlying.com that um, Rex has actually taken a 20% stake in Dovetail Electric Aviation, which is an Australian-based company that is specialising in converting turbine-powered aircraft into electric propulsion. Interesting.
1: That's right, Dovetail, formed by uh, Sydney Aviation Holdings, uh, who own Sydney Airplanes, and also Dante Aeronautical, an electric aviation startup. So Dante is in Australia and Spain, but uh, Dovetail is in Australia, and they've already been working with Sydney Seaplanes uh, with one of their Cessna caravans, and they're using it on the flight between Sydney and Canberra, where it's landing on Lake Burley Griffin. Uh, causing all sorts of fun for some of the Canberrans who are wondering what the heck. But, uh, yeah, it's it's electric, so it's quieter, and uh, they're using that. And it's it's only like a half hour, if that, flight. So, perfect.
0: Yeah, interesting. And, uh, well, you know, anytime you're landing any sort of plane up there on the Lake Burley Griffin, or as it's sometimes known, Lake Curly Gherkin. <laughs> That uh, certainly would, uh, wouldn't would matter what it was propelled by, really, Grant. That certainly would get uh, tongues wagging, I'm sure.
1: Oh, it certainly did when I splashed my balloon into there, but I, uh, that's a oh, whole oh, different story. I wasn't
0: even going to mention that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I went to sit nice and gentle on the water like we normally do, and I screwed it up one time and dunked myself up to my knees and my passengers. It was hilarious, especially as one of the passengers was the former uh, former. Air Commander of Australia and former Director of Aviation Safety at CASA. Um, He had some choice words. It was hilarious.
0: (laughs) Oh, I'm glad it was hilarious. It could have been something else. Anyhow. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, speaking of government departments, Grant, that have had words that may not please certain uh, parties here in Australia. And speaking of uh, another big uh, regional um, carrier here, in fact, Alliance, the Australian Competition and Consumer Commission, the ACCC, who we talk about quite often here, has um, openly opposed Qantas' plans to take a rather large stake in that airline.
1: That's right, mate. Uh, Qantas announced back in May 2022 that they were going to fully acquire Alliance, and ACCC have said negative. Uh, yeah, so not a good look for Qantas, and Qantas are, of course, flagging a concern about this, and they're seeking more information from the ACCC about why has it been opposed
0: You know, one of the briefs of the ACCC is to ensure that there's sufficient competition in any given market, really. And one of the things I think they're concerned about here is that um, by uh, Qantas swallowing up, or effectively swallowing up Alliance, that it may actually uh, have a negative impact on competition and therefore fares and all that sort of stuff across the region.
1: Uh, Qantas uh, predictably is not happy about this grant. Oh, especially as uh, Rex acquired charter operator National Jet Express from Cobham to help grow them. And, of course, Virgin, uh, they're quite clear about their plans to expand their own resources flying. So, you know, bad news for Qantas, but I'm sure this isn't going away and we'll be hearing more about it over the next few weeks or months.
0: I'm sure we'll get some great audio grabs in coming weeks and months from our, uh, (laughs) always a good source, from Alan Joyce, the CEO of Qantas, the ever-popular Alan Joyce.
1: Uh, yes, yes. I'm sure we could probably even get him on the show, but that's a whole different thing.
0: <laughs> in fact, Grant, you and I so, know somebody who's quite well known in aviation media here, who does the most letter perfect, accent perfect impersonation of Alan Joyce. And if we didn't think we'd get sued, we'd have him on and get him to do the interview. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> mate, uh, and also don't forget, I know Alan Joyce. He's a balloon pilot. Oh, really? Oh, yes, but not the. That's a different Alan Joyce. Yes, you yes, almost had me course- again with that. <laughs>
1: caused much consternation when we announced that Grant had interviewed Alan Joyce and we played it on an old PCDU. Everyone came back and said, well played. Well played, well played. indeed.
0: Grant, our last story on the list this week uh, is turning to the warbird scene. And the uh, warbird uh, scene here in Australia has been the uh, lucky recipient of a North American P51D, a Mustang, another Mustang in the country. Grant, that can always be a good thing.
1: Oh, totally. I believe this one is static only though, but uh, the Hunter Fighter Collection up at uh, Scone, uh, they uh, they've received this from the RAF Museum. It's actually painted in the the markings of a former Royal New Zealand Air Force pilot who flew as an exchange pilot with the the uh, US Army Air Corps in the UK and uh, served with the three fifty seventh Fighter Group and escorted B-17s. Well, the fun part is Jack Cleland's family actually live in the Hunter Valley near Scone where this aircraft will be on display.
0: That's fantastic. Of course, of course, uh, Scone is the home for a lot of uh, really great restored aircraft and a lot of warbirds. In fact, uh, we had the uh, Hawker Hurricane was living up there for a while. That's actually been on sold these days and doesn't live there anymore. But uh, Grant, um, this aircraft obviously made the 20,000 kilometre trip here um, in a
1: pallet and... Um, <laughs> It's actually
0: reassembled in record time, three whole days.
1: I know, right? The team up there, they have stacks of experience with these aircraft, and there's a couple of Mustangs I think they've worked on before. So yes, it was well disassembled by the RAF Museum, and they were able to put it together in three days, so it's ready for Anzac Day this week. In fact, by the time this goes live, we will have had Anzac Day.
0: Well, that's everything we have for you on this week's Australia Desk. There's a lot of interesting news coming up, Grant, particularly on the defence side with the release uh, coming up of the uh, Defence Strategic Review. Try saying that three times quickly. And uh, (laughs) we're going to be uh, uh, ploughing through that over the next week and just seeing, at least in defence terms, defence aviation terms, Grant, how that uh, that will affect our uh, armed forces going forward. It's going to be big and the
1: leaks have already started and it's not looking good for Army. You've got to love politics. Until next week, I'm Steve Fisher. And I'm Grant McCarron. Cheers, folks. You know, it's going to keep me pretty busy reading all that stuff.
0: <laughs> well, no better man for it. I'll leave that to you. No oh, thanks.